It is that time of year. Cal football is back. I'm going to preview it with Jim McGill, Bear Insider, coming up right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski, former Cal quarterback and Hall of Famer. Today, we are talking to another Hall of Famer, in my mind at least, a guy who knows as much about Cal football as maybe any coach on the staff because he was there for every single practice this fall so we're going to get some insight from jim mcgill we're going to talk about the team what we have coming up this fall as always in this in the fall hope springs eternal cal fans know this and so we're going to break it down i'm going to give you a very honest opinion with my years of history watching cal football jim was there every single day like i said he's got a lot of insight tips we're going to pick that up right now jim mcgill welcome to the podcast what's up mike great to be back again looking forward to the season so tell me, you were there every single day. I want your overall perspective. Give me that thousand foot view of this Cal Bears team. So I missed the first two practices of spring, made the final 13 of spring and all 16 in the fall. So that makes 29 straight. I'd like to feel like that gives me a pretty good overview of what's going on and also maybe signals that I might have a screw loose too, but. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you may have even earned a parking spot, right? So yeah, I'd, I'd love that. Believe me. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing out there. The way that this team has built quality depth has to impress because even in Cal's best teams, including um, a couple teams that you were on in the early 90s, some really good top-end starter talent, but depth has always been an Achilles heel in the program. Same thing in the Aaron Rodgers years and uh, 06 when they tied for the conference championship. Um, I'm not saying that Cal's loaded with some of the future impact NFL guys like those teams had, though they're, they're probably at, at least a handful. But I've never seen a, a Cal team that has legit two and three team depth at every position except probably offensive line where they have three or four viable backup guys and quarterback where I think they're still searching for a reliable um, backup situation in case um, Plummer has any issues. Everything else, man, I'm, I'm telling you, guys, even if you saw their name and thought bottom of the depth chart guy are playing their way into the rotation this year. And so something, seeing things like that's really impressive. And I think the other big impression that's been left on me is some really good receiving cores over the years. A lot of NFL stars, a lot of talent, but man, the combination of size and speed and depth of that receiving unit this year. I think fans and media are going to be shocked what this group can do, especially with a quarterback who can get them the ball at all levels. So I'm, I'm really excited about that too. Yeah, I agree. I think that receiving core is solid, like top to bottom and too deep. Like you said, like not just the ones, but the twos are pretty darn good as well. And so I think that's something to look forward to. Let's start. Which side of the ball you want to start on offense or defense? Let's go offense. Okay. Offense sells tickets. Let's go offense first. Uh, quarterback position. I'll break it down. Jack Plummer. Um, I like Jack Plummer. I, I think he has a, an edge to him. Um, he wants to prove something after Purdue talked to him uh, a couple times after practice this year. And so he's now after coming out of camp feels way more comfortable in this offense than he did in spring, which is understandable because there's a lot of words in this offense. And so he's only been here, you know, in, in 22. So getting used to his receivers, getting used to his linemen, building chemistry with his teammates. 
doing all those things. But if you watch him as a pure physical quarterback specimen, he is, he has the tools to play at the next level. He's probably more talented than some guys that are there right now. And so physically skills wise, he has the tools to be a next level guy. He has every throw. He looks like he has command of the offense. Um, and then what you have to see is decision-making. It's hard in a situation like Purdue where you had a guy kind of over your shoulder the whole time and there's the hook is really short. It's going to come out quick. And so he's not going to have that issue here this year. And so I think with an opportunity to shine in an offense with a quarterback friendly offensive coordinator, um, I think it could be a great year for Jack Plummer. Yeah. You know, Jack really got a, a raw deal at, at Purdue last year. How many quarterbacks do you see get replaced with seven TDs and no interceptions and a QB rating close to 150? But that's how good his his uh, competitor was. I mean, he, he came in, gave him a little edge, and they just stuck with the other guy. Um, I've been super impressed by Plummer from, from day one of spring. I was honestly kind of shocked at how much he was on the same page with these speedy receivers. I mean, so much of the passing game, especially with fast receivers, is, is all about timing. And that takes time to develop that rhythm, as you know. And uh, man, you've got you've got a 10-300 guy in Sturdivant and a 10-700 guy in Anderson who plays even faster than on the field. And a lot of those other guys are real quick too, but he was hitting them in rhythm at all levels of the field, which I think is huge. I mean, we we saw a veteran quarterback in Chase that really was reluctant to throw across the middle and timing was an issue. And Plummer's timing was almost impeccable from the first practice that I saw him. I asked him about that. How, how do you develop that when you're new to the program? You haven't had any practices under your belt. Are you just living on the field with these guys? And he said, you know, we, we get together as much as we can. We, we study film together. We do, we do whatever we can. But I have a feeling like it was more of his, um, his veteran acumen after his three years in college football that played the, the biggest role in making that adjustment. But he, he's been really exciting to me. He, He's had a couple of practices where he was a little bit off target here and there, but for the most part, he's throwing confidently at all levels, including deep balls that are contested with two double coverage. Um, it, I think quarterback absolutely is the biggest key to this season, this year. That's been to me, the missing ingredient between a bowl team in previous years, these last couple of years and, and what we're seeing right now. Um, so yeah, plumber, super impressive. I'm a little concerned about the depth. Kai was um, pushing him in the, in the spring. Um, really seems to have tailed off in the fall, but I have a feeling that a lot of that was related to the fact that he took more reps with the ones in the spring where he had the opportunity to, to shine behind a better line and uh, a little bit higher level receivers. And he's been mainly twos in the fall. When he's had his chance to rotate in with the ones, he's been sharper. So maybe it's not quite, as dire as uh, it, it's kind of looked the last couple of weeks. And the dark horse and all that is Fernando Mendoza. Uh, man, this kid comes in an unheralded two-star receiver who was uh, committed to Yale that Cal flipped at the last minute. And uh, he's been super impressive. Now, granted, he's playing in Devo periods. So, you know, that's typically like a mixture of second, third, and fourth string guys but he has a lot of confidence. He's got a big arm. He's really poised. He lives in the film room. So he knows what he's looking at. And he's a guy that could, uh, you know, potentially push for a backup role too. Well, and he's, he's a guy, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent on Mendoza. He is like, you watch him out there as a quarterback and he's operating, right? He's not just out there kind of looking for an open guy and ripping it. He's operating in the system. 
And it's when you say it's Devo period, you know, second, third, and fourth string, you're going against. Yeah, but you're also going with second, third, and fourth string guys. And so they're making mistakes. They're not, you know, it, it, the, the finest carpenters have the best tools. And you don't always have the best tools during that development period. And so he was still operating at that quarterback position making play. So I like that. Um, and I, I was the same, you know, I'll say for, for uh, Kai is that once you step up, usually when you're going with twos, it's twos against ones, right? And so you've got your second team O unit against your first team D unit, which definitely makes it harder. And so, you know, I'd love to see what he can do behind a center, but he's not going to get his time, I think, this year, as long as Jack Plummer comes out and plays extremely well. And so, yeah. and it's, you know, stays healthy, always knock on wood for quarterback, staying healthy. Um, but I agree with you as well. That position in terms of Cal football has been the difference over the last several years, last four years at least, uh, in, in being a higher level bowl team or a bowl team at all and not getting into the dance. And so I think executing just efficiently, you don't have to be fantastic. You don't have to be outstanding, but just efficient enough to get some first downs, keep the defense off the field, score 21 or 24 points, and then watch what happens. Watch how it changes the game. Uh, because I think this defense is going to be really good. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, talk to me quickly through the receivers because there's a whole bunch of guys we can give love to. I want your top two guys and then your sneak guy. That's who I want to hear about. You know, I, I think I, I have to make it a top three guys because I, I really see a, a lot to love in that combination of Jeremiah Hunter, who's the veteran of the group, um, and then J. Michael Sturdivant and uh, Maven Anderson. They bring different things. Um, first of all, Hunter, he... You can tell he's the veteran out there. He's confident. He's strong. He runs good routes. He can beat you deep. He can beat you underneath. Sturdivant is a guy that came in with tons of accolades and about 50 offers, uh, state champion at 10 3 in the 100, so he could run. But he wasn't holding on to the ball um, last year in, in camp and in practice, and he broke his hands, so he got behind. He spent a ton of time on the jugs, and he's now combining. Um, elite level speed with with good hands and better route running. He still needs to work a little bit on that. Maven Anderson to me is the, the dark horse amongst those three. You don't hear about him as much, but you're gonna hear a lot about him. He's playing in the slot, and he's he's virtually an impossible cover. He's so fast. He runs such good routes, and he catches literally everything. Yesterday, um, closed practice, so I wasn't there, but he had a 50 yard TD and a 35 yard TD. Um, we saw in the spring him take an end around for a, a 45 yard TD. Um, he does so many different things so well. So I really like that group. They're versatile. They complement each other very well. They're big, they're fast, they're strong. Great group. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that on those three, hundred um, percent, those dudes are going to be dudes this year. You know, we, we know a little bit about Jeremiah Hunter. We haven't seen a lot of him yet. He hasn't come out yet. We talked about part of that is the product of the quarterback in the system. And so uh, as Cal gets more efficient for putting the ball down the field, I think we're going to hear a lot more about those guys, young receivers, route running, timing, not shortening their routes, getting to depth, all of those things matter. And so uh, as this group starts to get reps, especially the fast guys, not trying to speed things up and quicken it off is going to be absolutely key for those guys. My uh, the one gem kind of the hidden gem for me, is Christakos. I said it last year. I want to see him again this year. Tommy Christakos, like this dude will go up and get a football. He fights for it. He's passionate about it. I just think he can be kind of an X factor guy at that receiver position and make some plays 
on that receiving core. Uh, and, you know, and you got to root for a guy like that comes on as a walk on ends up, you know, being a guy who's really kind of said it for himself. He's a guy who's really established himself and, and made a name for himself with his work ethic and his, his efficiency at that receiver position. So I want to see a lot out of him this year. I agree about Tommy that that guy, anybody that knows me has heard me sing his praises for the last two years. He was injured a lot last year, but he's been healthy this spring and fall and he's been consistent and he's, He's not just a, a high point, top shelf guy. They call him top shelf Tommy. He can he can stretch the field on a fly. He can go across the middle. His catch radius is insane. He catches everything. So I like him a lot too. And uh, another guy that's going to surprise a lot of people is Mason Starling. He's a JC transfer that came in and he missed most of spring. Um, he, he's out with an injury right now. He's supposed to be back from soon. But these first two weeks of fall camp dominated. He was every bit as good as any of the other starting receivers and the guy is six four with a great catch radius too um that was really- always, always nice as a quarterback to have a big cat out there to catch passion yeah, so that right. is super helpful give me sean dawkins any day i'll throw balls at him right. we'll be fine uh right. so let's move on let's go now tight end position uh jermaine terry obviously the one guy who stands out you know just a dominating mountain of a man who can run move and catch balls uh he's going to help you both in the run game because he's going to create extra gaps and extra problems on the outside, but also in the passing game, because he's, you know, physically he's a mismatch no matter who you play him up against. So that's a classic tight end position there. I think um, they haven't seen a bunch of multiple tight ends so far in camp. I didn't see a bunch of them in the couple of days that I was there, but I think uh, it's still part of Billy's package. You know, he likes getting those two, three guys in there in spite of the fact that he's got a ton of speed on the field in that receiver spot. I think he's going to look to create those matchups in the run game with his tight ends. Uh, still has a big bruising fullback. So I think he's going to try to find a way to make that happen. Use the, the tight end as a sniffer, but Jermaine Terry obviously gave me the feature in that tight end spot. You're right. They didn't a lot of two tight end situations this fall to alignments. Um, but I think that's more a function of having so many viable threats at receiver. I think there will be situations where we'll see Jermaine Terry and Kalecki Latu out there. Those guys are, high-level uh, receivers, and Terry's a really strong in-line guy, too. Honestly, looking at Terry last year, um, I didn't know his injury situation, but um, he was bigger than he should have been at, at 275. Um, he's at 255 right now and lean and quick, and he's catching everything. He's a real weapon out there. He looks like a different player. He looks like the guy that got offered by Alabama and Notre Dame that we weren't really seeing last year. Uh, Latu, we saw him flash a little bit last year. He had a nice TD catch against Colorado, but he was, he was pretty skinny to be honest. I mean, pushing six, seven, and he was probably close to two ten, and he's, he's around two thirty right now. So that's really serving him well. He's able to get off the ball better. And he's a guy, the, the staff calls a freak for what he can do. Um, he's going to create some real mismatches over these next few years too tough cover with the guy that has pretty good wheels as long as him that can go across the middle what kind of linebacker can and stay with a guy like that so yeah and then I, can you imagine safeties down the field you got both those big cats coming at you like yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what am i going to do with this on the vertical route qb you just put it up high and there's nothing the safety can do on it so uh great to have targets right, like right. that uh let's go to running back now kick me off with running backs it's a really deep room. I mean, last year they, they all averaged five yards a carry or more. 
Um, this year they had a, a little injection of athleticism and speed with Jade Knott coming in. Ott's a guy that they're going to utilize in the passing game more than um, I think we've seen as much in previous years. We've seen a lot of outlet stuff with guys. Um, Brooks got some balls. Moore got a little bit of balls too. But Ott's a big weapon. Anytime they see a situation where they can get coverage on a linebacker, man, their eyes light up. And he's had some really big gainers um, when he's been matched up with LBs when he lines it out wide. So, uh, super quick. I think he's going to have to continue to grow in his ability to be able to, um, to move the pile a little bit. He needs some room to operate right now, and I think he's going to get better with that. Damian Moore comes back with a lot of starting experience, and the thing that's exciting about him is uh, as good as he's been these last couple of years, he had a little bit of baby fat on him. I think it slowed him down a little bit. They challenged him to lean out quite a bit. You know, they were having him take pictures of every meal, all three meals of the day, cut out the fast food, and send it to the coaches so they knew he was he was staying on target. And uh, he's he's much leaner, and you can see it. He's he's got a real wiggle out there right now. I mean, we saw his vision has always been a um, one of the strengths of his game. He reads blocks really well. He reads defenses really well. But when you combine that with more shiftiness and speed and quickness, um, he could have a really nice year too. And I, I like the rest of the room behind him. I mean, uh, DeCarlos Brooks was injured early last year, but when he got his chance to shine, he averaged eight yards a carry. Uh, he's a real nice piece. Um, Ashton Stradix, a, a walk-on from Texas who had 3,000 yards his, his senior year and got under the radar somehow, but he's one of the fastest guys on the team and they're finding they're ways quick to as a hiccup, him right? too he in the running just, game. He can change direction like game. anybody. Right, right. And even this freshman, uh, Ashton Hayes, um, you know, he, he may be fifth or sixth on the depth chart, but they're going to find ways to get the ball in his hands too, because he may be the fastest of that bunch, even faster than Ott. He's like a blur out there when, when you give him a little bit of room. So really interesting group there. I, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on those running backs. Yeah. I like him a lot. I, I do like Jay not as kind of that do, you know, Swiss army knife running back young backs, you know, they're, they're not always great at pushing piles to start off. Not always great between the tackles and it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of reps to kind of get used to that running between the tackle. And so that's it, it always makes for an interesting match but think about this right we just talked about tight ends we talked about the receiver group you could get out there and you can go two tight ends you got latu and terry and you can put ott back there and you are both a running threat and a passing threat so now what personnel group are you going with on defense how are you going to match up what are you going to do there and so it, it makes you very versatile with that kind of backfield and that's not to take anything away from damian moore or any of the other backs right they can all catch they can all uh, protect but to get that guy who's good out in space, you can go anywhere from empty with those tight ends and running back to a packed in box with a tight end and a sniffer working. So uh, it makes for an interesting matchup in terms of personnel for the Bears this year. I think they're pretty well set at that personnel group. I'm going to let you kick it off with the offensive line, and I'm going to kind of clean it up at the end just with my opinions. You've been out there a lot more than I have. And so let's talk about that offensive line, where you think we're strong, um, where you think we could use some work. So when people ask me what my thoughts are for this season, I, I say the only area that I have any question marks is the offensive line. It's not because I've seen a lot that's been alarming in uh, spring ball or in fall camp. It's just, it's hard to answer that question until you're seeing a, a defense that's going full tilt at you, probably more than most positions. Uh, obviously the anchors of the line are left tackle Ben Coleman and center Matt Sendrick, those guys are money. They're consistent. They don't get beat very often at all. They're smart. They're good leaders on the line. Um, 
in between them is uh, Brian Driscoll. Driscoll's the guy that's really strong. Angus McClure, the line coach, calls him the anvil for his strength. He could use a, a little bit, be a little bit more light on his feet, um, probably be a little bit better in pass blocking. Um, but he's healthy now, and that helps a lot. Uh, on the right side of the line, you, you've got Spencer Lavelle that came in from ASU. He's a mountain of a man. Um, he's a guy that uh, is pretty solid in run blocking. He can move the pile, but um, not sure, you know, how nimble he is on pass blocking yet. Haven't really been able to concentrate on that enough to get a feel for it, but that might be an area of growth for him. And at right tackle, you've got Braden Rome starting. He fought off um, transfer TJ Session, who was expected to push to start. Uh, so that says something in his favor that he was able to hold off um, session and, and maintain a starting role there. He's a guy that has struggled with his weight. You know, he's had some injuries and he's had some illnesses that's kept the weight down. He's playing lighter than, than he, he wants to play ideally between 285 and, and 290 right now. I think he'd be better served at 295 or 300. His technique is pretty good. Strength probably needs a little bit of work. Um, as a unit, those guys have protected pretty well. There haven't been a whole lot of situations where Cal's D-line has, has dominated. You know, they've kind of taken turns here and there, and that's what you want to see in practice. You don't want to see one, one side of the ball get dominated. But overall, you know, they're healthy. They've got a few guys behind them that have played pretty well when they've gotten first-team reps. Um, so there's a little bit of depth there. Health has been their Achilles heel in recent years when you've had Craig playing injured and, uh, Roman there injured and, and man, poor Deltoso, that guy was like four different injuries all the time, but he was always run out there every game. So I think health will help a lot, but that's the one area I have the question mark. Are they going to be able to hold up against those crazy bull rush formations like UCLA and Washington state threw at them? I don't know. We, we don't know until we see it live, but we do have, we, we do know that we, we see a quarterback that makes really quick reads that if you throw the house on the rush, He's going to be able to get it out and get it out accurately really quickly. And as a quarterback, you know, man, it's, it's, you're on, when you're under fire, it, you got to think fast. And if there's less people out there covering your, your speedy receivers, you've got opportunities. You just got to get it done at the snap of a finger. Yeah. I mean, the trick is if teams want to bring pressure, right, then what you need to give them is something to think about. And so, like we talked about, extra tight ends, extra gaps. Now, what are you going to do if you bring pressure? Yeah, you know, you bring the wrong pressure again with an extra gap, nobody behind it, that thing's going to the house. You spread it out and you go empty. Yeah, you may be able to bring one extra, one more than we can block, but I can also get that ball off to a guy who's got space around him. And so I think we'll see a lot of empty. I think we'll see some extra tight end sets, extra backs in the game. I think we'll see some stuff to mix that up to keep teams on their heels, uh, which is, as an offensive coordinator, that's ideal, right? Call, formations, motions stuff that keeps defenses on their heels and you put yourself in better position, you put your quarterback in better position. And sometimes the quarterbacks just got to know that the free hitter is his, right? I've got to replace that guy with a football uh, and we have to hit some hot routes. We have to get teams out of, talk them out of pressures. Um, the offensive line to me every year, and this is, you know, here's the cynicism of a Cal fan, right? I was not only Cal quarterback, I'm a huge Cal fan, but every year I kept hearing, Oh, we got six or seven guys. We got six or seven guys. And uh, this year, I don't feel I haven't heard that for one, but I also I think the the offensive line we talked about depth everywhere else. I don't think our depth is great at the offensive line. I think our starting guys are kind of the guys. There's some guys behind them that can mature, can get better, 
Um, but that unit is so important. And I love Cindric, right? I love Coleman. I think Coleman's really athletic at left tackle. He probably projects out as a guard, but that happens all the time in college football where you get guys who, you know, they jump out to that guard position and then come back in and play, or excuse me, they jump out to that tackle position and they come back in and play guard for 11 years in the NFL. So I think he's really athletic. I think he's working hard. I had an opportunity during practice to go after practice and listen to all those guys. I went with Troy Ozine, who was my left tackle, played for, you know, years, six or seven years in the NFL. Uh, and if not for injuries, he probably would have been there for a decade. But, uh, he, you know, these guys came up, they were asking him questions. He was talking through technique. And so they're thirsting for knowledge, which is awesome. Uh, and it was good to see those guys kind of looking for that and working with an older veteran offensive lineman, kind of trying to get, pick his brain, if you would. Um, but I want to see how they stout, how stout they are. Like you said, it's one thing in team. It's one thing in live scrimmages, you know, during practice, because both sides have an advantage for different reasons. Guys can gamble, guys can get away with stuff. There's a familiarity there. But once you get in the game and, you know, you're wearing your team's colors and it's live, uh, it's a different animal. So we have to see how they react. A couple of things I will say, there are guys that I would like to see block better off base. Um, you're not always going to be able to be in perfect position as an offensive lineman. And so you have to have some power. You have to have some strength to you if you're going to get outside your frame. Uh, and, and there's some guys I'd like to see improve that aspect of their game um, on, on the interior spots. And so if we can get that done, if we can be better off base, and then if we can work techniques where we pick up pressures, where are these pressures coming from? College teams nowadays, you know, it, it is, I think, Angus said it's like pinball out there, just guys flying around everywhere. Um, and so that's hard. You've got to work to a gap and figure out where your pressure is coming from. And, and that's pretty tough. And so figuring out schemes, figuring out concepts that work with that and getting those guys to work through that and work together as a team is the absolute key for an offensive line coach this year. So Angus had his, has his um, work cut out for him because I think, Cal's going to see a lot of that until his offensive line proves it can pick it up. Yeah, I think you're right there. It'll be interesting to see. One thing that I think helps a lot, um, Chase, if he didn't see a receiver open or um, he, he was under pressure, he would throw those outlets where he would stare down the outlet and uh, wouldn't be in rhythm and it would go for no gain way too frequently. One thing that's impressive about Plummer is when he's under pressure, he doesn't see a, a route that's open. He's really decisive. He, uh, he looks off the defense, then hits the, the outlet, and he doesn't just throw it to the outlet. He knows where the guy's supposed to be going, so he hits him in stride. So they're, they're moving when they're getting the ball. They're not waiting for the ball to get there and then getting hammered by a defender. So they have the opportunity to make something out of plays that weren't going anywhere when they're under pressure. Um, now, he does not have... Garber's speed, although at 4'7", his speed wasn't elite. He just had a knack for reading the defense and being able to take what they gave him. Um, Plummer has more functional um, scrambling ability. He, he has good pocket presence, and he will pick up some yards, but you won't see him rip off 15 or 20 like Chase did. It, it may be you know five or six or seven instead. Um, but he's, he's but sneaky athletic, though. I watched him run a couple, true. and, and, and he's, he's faster and – more agile than you think he is because he's so tall. Sure. And so I, I think he's plenty athletic for the position. I think he's going to be fine 
uh, in there. And I think Chase's scrambling ability, quite honestly, got them in trouble a lot of times, right? It was kind of like Steve Young in his youth when he would, it would be one and eyes are down and I'm going. Yeah. And so I, I think Chase had a lot of that in him, um, you know, for all four years. And so yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, it'll help. The, the key is the smoothness of getting through your progression, right? A, coverage dictates I start where, right? Single high safety, two high safeties. Now we're getting a little football-y. But, you know, do I see a single high? Do I see two high? That sends me somewhere. And then what's my progression once I'm there? And how do I get through that quickly? And that's being smooth through your progression so that everything times out because every route is built on timing, right? You're going to have your timing route that you hit on your fifth step or your seventh step. And then you're going to have your next route, which you're going to hitch up to. And then your next route is your check down, which you give another hitch to. And so how smooth do you get through that? Do you work your timing and then get that ball out in two and a half seconds? Because the average is 2.7, right? So you want to be just under that so you can get rid of that rock. And if Plummer can do that, then it can be a very solid year. And if the offensive line can give him that 2.7, that's, that's what he needs back there. Give him that time. Let him feel comfortable to operate. I think, uh, you know, that's always the key. I, I've, I've always said it. The game is won and lost in the pit. And so as the offensive line goes, so goes the team. And Plummer can only be as good as the guys around him. So it's, it's got to be – he's got fantastic receivers. He's got great tools at tight end. Uh, we've got some running backs that can run the rock. If the big guys are equivalent to that package, then Cal could have a really good offensive year. Yeah, I agree. So I kind of snuck you there. I said it was going to be a whole review, but it's offensive review today. So we talked about the good side of the ball, the offensive side. We'll talk about the dark side when we come back. Although what, since they're Cal, I guess it's not really dark side. It's our defense. So we got to love those guys up too. Um, but we'll talk about the defense when we come back. Jim will be back on and we'll kind of get into depth on some new faces that you're going to like. Some faces that were here last year that injuries prevented you from seeing them that are going to make an impact this year. So there's a lot going on. That's the next podcast. We'll get to that in just a minute. But Jim, I appreciate you coming on, man. Your insight, as always, spot on and love hearing from you. Thanks, Mike. Looking forward to the defensive side conversation coming up soon. Yeah. Always love talking about those mean guys on the other side. For all of you at home, I appreciate you guys watching. Don't forget, leave us comments down below. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, you guys will pick up some stuff that we didn't see. And I love it when you guys do and you come up with something that makes me scratch my head. So leave us comments down below. We'd love to hear from you. Appreciate you watching. As always, for Bear Insider and the Ultimate Insider Podcast, I'm Mike Pulaski, and go Bears.